Welcome to We Do, the officially unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO and one of 36 different podcasts answering the question, who watches the Watchmen? I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're here today to do a season season one. I don't even know what to call this. We're here to do a preview for the Watchmen uh, TV show. Uh, Aaron, I know we have a whole outline here. You want to talk about some of the themes uh, yeah. of the old, the old stuff? There's so much to talk about, and I have done so much prep for this podcast. I did I, at least I, three and a half hours. I watched I, the old movie. In the last two months, I read the entire original comic book. I watched the movie with the director's cut with the Black Freighter animatics uh, or animated scenes put in it. I've done tons of research, but it's a big sprawling topic. And clearly there's a lot of uh, Lindelofian type mysteries and, you know, subtext stuff to unravel but I thought a good place to start, since not a lot of people have probably done that amount of research, and there's also a lot of, I think, interest in this because not so much that it's a Watchmen production, but because it's a Lindelof production. And yeah, the last both. time, the last time he did something was, uh, you know, sh- slap your mom in the mouth, good. Yeah, the leftovers, and one of our favorite podcasts that we've ever done. Um, I thought it might be a good idea to kind of run down the Watchmen, just a basic outline and pr- its premises, some of the different crucial differences between its world and ours, and then kind of review the characters who are survived that uh, experience in the Watchmen and who apparently play a role in the series going forward. So mm-hmm. if that sounds good, we'll start, and then we'll go to get into other things about the series proper. Uh, but we're we, first we're going to do some recap and review. So in the uh, series of the uh, the Watchmen. Uh, the premise is in the 30s, there was a wave of, uh, of crime involving masked uh, criminals. Mm-hmm. And these people uh, were unable to be prosecuted because no one could identify them. So the cops in retaliation started wearing masks themselves, uh, taking flamboyant personas like the Night Owl, Hooded Justice, Captain Metropolis, becoming uh, kind of conventional superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the vein of Spider-Man or Superman, but more in the vein of like uh, Batman, where they were peak. They they trained themselves to be peak human in various capacities, but they didn't really have any superpowers. Um, the interesting thing about this is this led to subtle other cultural changes. Like, for example, in the Watchmen universe, comic books are not about superheroes because. That was happening in real life. Instead, they became obsessed. Their primary genre was pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in this cultural milieu, Richard Nixon was a very popular president, able to overturn the amendment precluding presidents for serving more than two terms and served five terms, won the Vietnam War, made Vietnam our 51st American state. Um, and as a result, they there would never a moment where America had to kind of soberly evaluate itself on the world stage, yeah. you know, that we didn't have a humiliating defeat in Vietnam. Um, and this kind of led to one of the the, the reasons that, that the 1985 universe of, of the Watchmen is such a, a pressure cooker. Um, so there is one exception to that uh, heroes don't have superpowers, and that's Dr. Manhattan. How would you describe Dr. Manhattan, Jim? Nearly a god. Uh, he, he's about as close as, to a god as you can get without being one. Yeah. He has the power to manipulate things at an atomic level. Uh, even even lower than that. I mean, he can teleport anything himself. He can recreate matter in whatever ways he chooses. Uh, 
yeah, he's he's basically a god, and he's blue, and he's got a big old dick. Apparently, he, he's like he's like well, he's unlike Aladdin's genie in the big dick department. Although I don't know, I never got I never looked in, in inside the genie's pants. Yeah, I don't. I don't but know otherwise, he yeah, he's a glowing blue being with unlimited cosmic power. Yeah. Um. So the other thing is Manhattan being American gave uh America a huge decisive edge in the Cold War. It allowed us to, like I said, win Vietnam in like a week of dr manhattan because like there's scenes in the movies of him just waving first of all he's like a thousand feet tall yeah and he's just waving his hands across the battlefield and like all the enemy combatants just explode into gore mm-hmm. um so that'll win a war for you but because of that and because of kind of the nothing checking american arrogance and exceptionalism uh the rest of the world is uh arrayed against america because you know um uh, there, there's it's just is a big threat there's no balance in the cold war because dr manhattan is an ultimate nuclear deterrent mm-hmm. he's the ultimate winner uh of any nuclear war um so in 1985 the world is kind of posed on like this this nuclear armageddon um in steps adrian veidt who is this character named uh ozymandias uh, who is billed as the the world's smartest and fastest man because mm-hmm. he's 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 trained his whole life to be that way. He's also extremely wealthy and ambitious, and he owns a powerful global corporation. Um, and the central plot of the Watchmen revolves revolves around his plan to distract and divide other heroes while he fakes an alien attack, mm-hmm. or in the movie. He yeah. fakes it, makes it look like Doctor Manhattan himself turns against humanity and strikes several cities around the world. In the comics, it's an alien invasion, and I hear that in the in the television series, they're going with the comic book as canon. Oh, okay. So I'm psychic. Have to, I'm gonna have to look at the end of that then. Psychic squid monsters invading cities yeah. to cause mass destruction. Um, and and the, the reason he did this plot is he thought that what the world needs is a single external threat mm-hmm. to unify against. And in the late um, minutes of the Watchmen unfolding, it appears that he's successful. The world leaders are putting aside their differences to array against a new threat. But mm-hmm. <laughs> there is one complication, yep. which is... Rorschach's journal. There's a, there's a character who has been carefully investigating this whole Vite, Vite conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he takes a journal and drops it at a newspaper office, which you'd think would blow the lid off the whole thing. But... The newspaper is the new frontiersman, an extreme right-wing newspaper, and it gets sorted into the crank file, yeah. where they kind of sort their Alex Jones-level conspiracies. So it's one of those things where it's the truth is out there, but it's out there in like a Fox Mulder situation sure. from X-Files. It's out there in a way that like maybe some lonely cranks might know the truth, but how are they going to... You know how 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 are you going to prove that the moon landings are faked? How are you going to prove mm-hmm. that you know nine eleven was an inside job? Uh, and that's how we end the the movie uh, at the end of 1985 with a little bit of bittersweet hope for the future. Um, and the Watchmen series takes place in that same universe in the modern day, 2019. By the way, if you get through this whole podcast and uh, you're hungry for more bald move coverage on the Watchmen, we did a whole podcast. I think it's almost two hours long on the original film. Um, and our Bald Movies feed, I will post a direct link to that on baldmove.com if uh, you want a little bit more Watchmen analysis and our thoughts about it. So uh, before we move on to like, important characters, I thought it might be interesting to talk about what else we know. Uh, we talked about you know how the Watchmen changed comic books in the comic book universe. What are some other crucial differences between 2019, 
non-Watchmen universe and Watchmen universe 2019. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how they get here, but apparently there are no cell phones and there's no internet. So it, it's interesting to me, given some of the themes that we're going to be delving into mm-hmm. with the new series, that there would be no internet because a lot of the things that we associate with the um, the development of those cultures is the internet. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't know what they're getting at with that. But yeah, no no cell phones, no internet. I wonder, so just because there's no cell phones, no internet, I wonder if there'll be analogs, like maybe like yeah. uh, BBSs, bulletin board systems, which were all modem-based, are going to be like the hub. Uh-huh. Because it makes, it, to me, it kind of, when I heard that, I'm like, that's fucked up. But then it started making sense because... The thing that led to the creation of the internet was Cold War research into how you survive and how you can maintain military communications and civilian communications in the event of a civil war uh, or event of a a nuclear war because the internet's all designed to transport information or reroute around damage. Mm -hmm. Um, And it came out of this old DARPA projects. So, like, if the Cold War just fizzled or the United States is won in the early 80s, maybe that research is canceled and it just never gets that that final push to where it becomes as ubiquitous uh, communication platform it is today. Mm-hmm. But in 1985, you absolutely had BBSs. You absolutely had modems. It, sure. it, it would be kind of a cool retro if that's just the, you know, you don't have Reddit, you don't have Facebook. You've got just the, these popular regional BBSs. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine it not developing further in 30 years. Sure, sure. 35 years, whatever it is. But well, it's like- also, it's, so it's interesting because I think Alan Moore is the only one that actually had this crucial insight to pop culture that if you had real life superheroes, the public imagination would not be captured by them. Kind of like, you know, uh, yeah, not in the way it is now. And and when we envision like anytime you like the uh, Marvel universe, uh, people are crazy about superheroes. They're dressing up like them for Halloween. Mm -hmm. We saw this in Amazon's the boys, like they're actually, there's still movies made about them and comic books, but it's also just as likely that, you know, they would become, you just read about them on the news. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a public fascination that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, no internet, no cell phones. Another big change. We went from having five terms, apparently, of President Nixon mm-hmm. to a bunch of uh, terms of President Robert Redford. Literally, President Robert Redford. So and he's played uh, by Robert Redford. Yeah, which makes me kind of draw an association with Ronald Reagan, you know, as an actor president, uh, an actor turned president. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how deep they're going to go on that or if they'll lean into that at all. I think it's an interesting way to... Because how, pl- how do you plausibly return um, 30-some years later to this, like, pressure cooker um, social situation, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, presumably President Nixon has swung the world in a very, in the United States in a very right-wing direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if they're suggesting with Robert Redford a famous Hollywood, although you're right, Reagan was a famous Hollywood actor and he was super arch-Republican. Yeah. I wonder if they're suggesting that you've got now, like, multiple terms of an arch, like, more of an arch-Democrat who yeah. swung the world back into this other direction, and now you've got, like, the pressure cooker is still built, but it's in, like, an equal and opposite way. Could now be. you've got, instead of, like, being about, the, like, commies and moral degenerates, it's about, uh, you know, races and racism mm. and, and uh, that. Because that seems like it's going to be a big... Uh, a big part of the world. Are there any other like notable standout, like cultural differences that might be? 
No, I mean it. It has a lot more similarities than it does differences. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's and that's the thing that's fun about the Watchmen. It's like uh, kind of like you will see like these uh, airships, like blimps, are a big right. thing in the Watchmen universe. Not so much airplanes. Uh-huh. Um, so there might be some other things like that, but uh, uh, I want to talk about important characters from the movies that will probably play a role in the series going forward. Um, yeah. Let's talk with a little bit deeper dive into Doctor Manhattan. Uh, who used to be John Osterman, which was a nuclear physicist who in 1959 accidentally is exposed to an experiment generating uh, a thing called intrinsic fields and finds his body ripped apart by these fantastic energies. And it takes him months uh, to learn how to rebuild himself atom by atom, but eventually does and he reconstitutes himself as a god. Mm-hmm. Um Dr. Manhattan doesn't have any weaknesses like kryptonite, but what would you say is his fatal flaw or his weakness? Uh, he doesn't understand humanity. <laughs> is this a big one, I think? And why, why is that? Like, what's the, what's his... I mean, he's he's outside of time in a lot of ways, or he perceives time very differently than we do, and yeah. he he understands the universe differently. Yeah. And therefore doesn't have, doesn't hold us up as sort of a shining example uh, or, or this thing that needs to be protected and and savored saved at one point he says i'm not omniscient because he has complete access to everything that happens in his past and everything that will happen in his future um so he does have blind spots and also um his other weakness is uh anything that generates tachyon fields yeah which could be a nuclear war or that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that uh, ozymandias used to kind of cloak his activities in the watchman he actually built a generator that just generated that um, so he does have even in his own history a little bit of blind spots, but in in the in the the original work of the Watchmen, he loses his attachment to humanity such that he just exiles himself to Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, he's brought back by his girlfriend, uh, which enables him and to to go back and confront Ozymandias. But at the end, uh, he announces his plans to leave the galaxy and maybe try to for- create a life of his own. Yeah. One of the things I'm 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 going to ponder later is like what in the fuck could possibly reengage him with humanity 30, 30 more years later. It's a really good question. Uh, I assume it would have to revolve around Lori in some way because well, we do know that she's one of the characters coming back. Let's let's talk to, about Lori then. Uh, so Lori and I did not know how to pronounce this, but it's Yuspetchik. Uh, I, I okay. is the actual pronunciation. Hmm is a second-generation superhero. She's the yeah. daughter of the original Silk Spectre, and her mother kind of trains her to be her successor. And she also goes by Silk Spectre. She also goes by Silk Spectre. Um, Laura's father is another costume hero called the Comedian, mm. uh, who raped Laurie's mother at a gathering of superheroes uh, back in the day. And they later actually had a problematic relationship, which led to Laurie's conception. Yeah. Lori, Go ahead. I was agreeing. Oh, yeah. yep. Lori discovering that chain of events during the events of the Watchmen it causes her to view her life and her mother in an entirely different light. Uh, in an HBO series, she's played by Jean Smart, and she's not going by Yuspechtik anymore. She's going by uh, Blake, Lori Blake. Um, mm-hmm. Edward Blake was her father, the comedian. Uh, so that's uh, a character that is definitely going to be front and center. I want to talk about the comedian a little bit, Edward Blake. What is your reading on the comedian? Uh, the comedian thinks that it, our society is a big joke, and I, I think he's the 
the perspective I most agree with in the entirety of the Watchmen. <laughs> wow. Because I, I don't I don't view the end of the Watchmen as as rosy as some people may. Interesting. Um but yeah, he's he just views everything as a joke and since he's in on the joke, he just wants to he he's not gonna participate in it. He's just gonna he's just gonna go along with it, but just like have his own kind of fun with it. Yeah, it's like a lot of the the masks they call them, uh that the costumes, they are in it for like they're trying to justice it. in the American way, yeah. fighting crime. Whereas I feel like the comedian just wears the mask to get out his violent tendencies, and he's kind of like nihilist. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, hmm. Is he violent? I mean, he's certainly violent at times. Is that like his tendency? I don't know. He does seem like he revels in like, uh, you know, gun shooting people. Uh, hurting people. Yeah, when he's provoked, I think, or when he's given license to. Uh huh. Yeah, but I, he enjoy, so. I mean, that's why I say he's violent because it seems like he he doesn't view it as a means to an end, but he no, he, he also revels in the means itself. Yeah. Um, one of the thing he's one of the few uh heroes, quote unquote heroes, who accepts work for the federal government because mm -hmm. there's a bunch of riots in the '70s. Police go on strike. This is going to be important in the new series, and the public prefers. Uh, publicly accountable badges versus mass vigilantes mm -hmm. rare rare wisdom shown by the masses and and the mobs on the street <laughs> um and they pass this keen act which bans mass vigilantes yeah. and several of the 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 quote-unquote heroes accept work for the federal government and he's one of them and they imply that he's behind the assassination of jfk mm -hmm. uh, apparently he also murdered um uh, uh woodward and uh, who's the other guy that was Woods, Woodward and damn it, uh, Bernstein, no. the guys who are responsible for blowing the lid off of Watergate. So mm -hmm. Nixon's presidency continued to be uh, protected, and in the he his death sets off the entire chain of events that um, you know the the, the Watchmen's about. Yeah, because he accidentally uncovers this uh, Ozymandias' conspiracy for this world peace. Mm -hmm. Um. Then I want to talk about Adrian Veidt as Ozymandias. Um, he's the, would you call him the primary antagonist of the Watchmen? The villain? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Watchmen has a complex relationship with heroes and villains. True. And I think in as much as you would call anybody a hero or a villain, they're kind of both. He sacrifices millions of random innocent people. Yeah. He's a greater good kind of guy. To potentially save a billion people from right. a thermonuclear war. He, he's he's the antagonist, certainly, to like Rorschach. Hmm. Like he's, if, if Rorschach is the protagonist, he's right. the antagonist right. or vice versa. Right. But yeah, it's hard to say whether it's right. And and at one of the last things he does in the series is, or the movies in the comic, is he asks Dr. Manhattan... Uh, if he did the right thing, potentially yeah. sacrificing these to save billions, if it all works out in the end, and Manhattan responds, nothing ever ends, mm -hmm. which is one of the taglines of this of this series, and it's suggesting that like all he did is forestall like these same animosities, these right. same jealousies, these same you know societal factors. Maybe you hit the snooze button, but this stuff is all going to work its way out to the surface eventually. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Rorschach, uh, who is Walter Kovacs, uh, who boy. What do you say about Rorschach? <laughs> he is a moral absolutist. Yeah. And he's willing to enforce that via any measure of violence mm -hmm. necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also a, a little crazy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like you said, the, the, the Watchman has a complex relationship with mm -hmm. his heroes and villains. Is that 
you start off thinking that that, that Rorschach is a crazy psychopath. Mm-hmm. I think you end with that thought too. But like when yeah. you reveal his complicated history and how he was raised and his early forays and the crime fighting, you kind of understand. Yeah. Like he, he's seen some sick shit, uh-huh. and he's come by his opinions of society pretty fucking honestly. Um, now in the year, so he dies because he's the one watchman that Adrian Vite uh, can't convince that this yeah. is like, yeah, it sucks that all these millions of people die, but if you blow the lid off this conspiracy, they die for nothing. Yeah. Now they're dead for like potentially billions of saved. He's the one guy because, as you say, he's a moral absolute that says, "Fuck this." I don't compromise in the face of Armageddon mm-hmm. and he is going to tell the world and Dr. Manhattan explodes him. But he does end up telling the world potentially like, and that's where I don't have the rosy view of like, well, Adrian, mm-hmm. you know, preserved a piece here. Right. Because Rorschach sort of blows the lid off of it or yeah. could blow the lid off of it with his journal yeah. that, he, that he slipped into the news office. Now, the interesting thing is that in the years since the Watchmen in this series, uh, he has inspired this white supremacist group named the seventh calvary yeah who's adopted his mask his kind of like no compromising creed and they've added racism because i you can say a lot of bad things about his worldview like Mm -hmm. uh um you know he is against degenerates and in his mind like that includes homosexuality any kind of sexual deviancy drug use Mm -hmm. anyone that breaks any kind of law i never saw any hint of racism no so I think it's super interesting that like his memory has been twisted into that shape. Although I will say I'm struggling to recall that there was even a single black person or or non-white person at all in the entirety of Watchmen movie. The the, the psychologist that worked with okay, Walter yeah. and there's a kid on the street that reads comic books. Okay. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so wh- I don't know that he has much interaction or much opportunity to espouse his views on race. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point, too. It's like <laughs> if he's like super right wing conservative 80s. Yeah. Racism is probably not not in the mix. Probably. Yeah. Um, but but he's given an opportunity through um, shit. What's the original Minutemen uh, silhouette? Because she's a lesbian and he gets an opportunity to comment on that. Certainly in the film. Mm-hmm. Something like, you know, disapproving about her her lifestyle or her yeah. degeneracy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it seems like this is propelling a lot of the uh, the Seventh Cavalry that's wearing his masks and using his name is propelling a lot of the, the action because their increasingly violent attacks against police yeah. have caused the police officers to begin wearing masks while doing their duties um, to protect themselves Which, and their families. Yeah, is is interesting. You know, it's it's sort of the whole genesis of the the Minutemen in the first place is coming back around in a slightly different way, like a, a small twist on it. Yeah. But for a modern day portrayal of it. Right. Now it's not masks, badges, not masks. It's mask wearing badges. And it'll be interesting to see <laughs> okay. what the public, uh, public unrest is going to look like about that. Yeah. And the final character is Night Owl, um, Daniel Dreiberg, mm-hmm. which is a Batman analog. Like he's literally mm-hmm. just Batman. Yeah. He's got um, all the all the ships and gadgets. The, and, the only yeah. thing that's different is that he hides his wealth. He kind of lives as yeah. a shabby in in the 1985 Watchmen. He lives as kind of a shabby mid 30s ret- retiree um, because he spends all of his money on his technology and gadgets, and yeah. uh, you know lives a he, he's like doesn't doesn't hide around as a billionaire playboy. Uh, and at the end of the original, him and Laurie have kind of fallen in love and are an item. 
Before we continue in the podcast, a little bit of bald move housekeeping. Last Friday, Netflix released a Vince Gilligan directed and written El Camino, a little Breaking Bad epilogue for one Jesse Pinkman. As you probably know, we have every single second of Breaking Bad footage podcasted for posterity. So, you know, we had to gear up for one last ride with Jesse. That podcast dropped this Monday. So if you're jonesing for some of that old school Breaking Bad meth, give it a snort or a smoke, you know, whatever. Over on Pickle Me This, we're hard on the Rick and Morty Season 3 grind we release every Tuesday. This week, we're talking rest and Rick laxation with the author of The Science of Rick and Morty, Matt Brady. Check it out. The American Horror Story Season 9, 1984 season continues. Cecily and I are covering that. It's honestly on an epic, uh, unprecedented run of awesomeness. If you like 1980 slasher uh films if you have nostalgia for 80s horror i really encourage you to check it out the great thing about american horror is you can just jump in whenever because it's all uh it's all an anthology so if that sounds like a good time check that out on the american horror story podcast feed jim and i are also breaking down the deuce david simon's love letter to 70s and 80s pornography not really uh it's it's like the wires is love letter to the baltimore drug trade uh, anyway, we're covering that final season. Every episode's released, released on Wednesday. It's an amazing television show. Mr. Robot's coming back, coming back strong. And we've got the final season coverage with episodes also released on Wednesdays. Cecil and I are also doing this thing we call the Cinematic Spooktacular over on the Bald Movies feed. Uh, this is the third one that we've done. Uh, we're subtitling it The Search for Spook. We had the first one drop last week. Another one will come out on October 20th. And then the final one, October 30th, Halloween Eve. On the Bald Movies feed, we're also covering Zombieland 2 Double Tap this week. And finally, we have a new feature. We just crossed a major milestone. Five years of lunches with Jim and Aaron for our club members. And to celebrate every Thursday, we're releasing a lunch out of that archive for free to the public, which we're calling Lunch with Jim and Aaron Reheated. If you've ever been curious about what a lunch is all about, check it out. Plus, it's a fun little window in Bald Move history. I used to have hair. Kind of on top of my head. I was trying. Uh, check that out in on uh, baldmove.com. So that's all the characters I think that we need to know from the original movie. Uh, I want to talk about themes from the movies that dovetail in the series. We already talked about okay. badges, not masks. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was an, in, an un- another interesting thing running through the the movie and the the book, which is the concept of miracles. Okay, because that's what ultimately brings dr manhattan back because he's like you know i don't see the value the intrinsic value in human beings mm-hmm. um, i don't believe that miracles exist and in uncovering the story of Lori's background it seems to impress him that like this improbable sequence of events that led to her creation is in his view a miracle he's described as like spinning gold out of air um, yeah uh, eh. I don't know about this. This seems a little too romantic. This yeah. seems like a bit of romantic writing instead of like, let's follow the conclusions. The the logical conclusion of this character is he would view, it, it, he, he's, he's zooming in on a single occurrence. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he were to zoom out larger, bigger picture, which is what Dr. Manhattan fucking does, he would see that these miracles, quote unquote, happen a billion times a second. Yeah. Like the, there's nothing special about this one particular person. Yeah. Just that, you know, it has an interesting backstory. It's not special. Well, it's interesting because so Ozymandias, who is billed as the smartest man in the, uh, on the earth, and there's nothing uh-huh. in the series that suggests otherwise, 
he's got this thing at the end where he's describing like all the different machinations he put into place to cause this plan to happen. He's like, most people assume that uh, Dr. Manhattan has lost his humanity, but I was able to see the subtle clues that show that he was essentially just openly crying. Yeah. Kind of framed Dr. Manhattan not as a person who's lost his humanity, but like as a person who's gone through a severe trauma. Um, like a person who maybe suddenly is blind and deaf or like lost their limbs and like is in a profound depression about the state he's found himself in, but he still mm-hmm. feels, he still has those emotions. He's just, he's, is this is kind of like a front. Yeah. So I guess you're, the question is, do you believe Ozymandias's interpretation of Manhattan's psycho- psychological Well, well they, they portray him as drifting farther and farther away from humanity, right? Yeah. But even so, like I've, I've, I've we talked a lot about our, on our various podcasts that like um, psychological health, like coming from like a state of being addiction to being healthy, is often portrayed in in fiction as like a, just a straight climb up a mountain. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's a lot of slip and fall and tumble, and then a couple feet back up and slip and tall. I, I imagine descents are the same way. Like it's not just a gradual like you know you could reach plateaus. You might have something that reminds you of your humanity, and I so so. I guess it didn't surprise me that something could spark his humanity because he kind of probably wants to be human Mm -hmm. still. My question is, 35 years later, what is a miracle or what what point of view change could he have in another in another universe that could bring him back to Earth? Because they do. I think that they've made it clear that he has been gone since 1985. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. As a. I mean, if you take him at his word, he wants to go create some life for himself. That could have some pretty profound Be- being effects a father? on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, if that's the metaphor that they're going for. Um, but also, like, being a god. Mm. Like, what if what if you weren't born a god? What if you became a god, and then you were trying to create life, and you found out that the same sort of patterns that you saw in humans, you mm. were unable to eliminate from... Hmm. Uh, the life that you're creating, right? No matter how hard you try. Right. I don't know if all this can happen in 35 years. Yeah. That's uh, not a long time for life to exist, but, you know, he could he could try several iterations. That's an interesting So maybe thought. he comes back thinking, well, this experiment turns out this way no matter what I need to. I'm, I'm actually part of this more yeah. than I thought I was. Well, it's... Man, this is kind of... Uh, this is one of the reasons I love The Watchmen because you can just talk about philosophy all day long <laughs> with it. But, like... yeah what you just said makes me think of like, what if it's the opposite's true? Because like, you know, Dr. Manhattan several times mentions that he doesn't personally believe there's a God Mm -hmm. that like, we all just happened here by accident. No one's here to tell us what to do. No one's here to guide us. No one's here to like design a perfect world for us. Um, But he's in a situation. If he decides to become a creator, he could be a present God. He could be an actual. And I wonder if like, in the process of creating life, it actually goes better than expected. And he starts thinking like, man, it really sucks. All those monkeys on the planet earth that didn't have these advantages, these privileges that my life forms do. Mm-hmm. They're really this lost, this, these lost failed rudderless creations. Maybe I should go and like be an actual God. I like what if Manhattan decided to be some kind of, 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 of God for humanity? Huh? How do you tell that story and tell the story that the series seems to want to tell um, about the seventh cavalry Uh and the masks versus masks, because I think whatever story you try to tell, if the, if the involvement of Dr. Manhattan is that large Mm -hmm. and that relevant, 
I don't know how you tell both of those stories. I don't know, Damon. How one do you would, tell those stories? <laughs> one would definitely sort of usurp the show at some point. And I'm pretty sure it's not the 7th Cavalry. But here's the thing. That's what I think about Dr. Manhattan coming back at all. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Manhattan, yeah. no matter what's going on in the earth, Dr. Manhattan returning in any capacity is the number is is the headline of the day. For so sure. yeah. why does he if, why does he come back if it's just like oh uh, I left those cufflinks I really liked yeah and, maybe he's just visiting Lori and, and this is this uh, they're made out of platinum and for whatever reason in this uh, galaxy there's no platinum uh, I need to get them all right I got them by like that's equally ridiculous so like yeah what role is he going to have to play like him because that's the other thing is like okay so he decides he wants to be god of humanity what does that even mean mm-hmm. does that mean he like just remakes human does he mean he just starts like 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 how would a god like him that's that's the i guess could, that's could the adrian bring thing. him back somehow like inadvertently like is adrian hatching another plan because i know when lindelof talks about the show he says yeah. that uh ozymandias and the the main story are not parallel arcs they mm-hmm. are going to collide with one another at some point is this you know sort of a rerun of watchmen where he's got another scheme because his first scheme has started to wear off mm-hmm. uh oh and so that now brings he back. had he tried a fully secular solution and now maybe like because so i'm 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 clinging <laughs> to my theory that i created five minutes ago jim okay i'm very protective like dr manhattan of his extra galactic creation sure i, I don't want this to be a, a rudderless theory out on the internet uh it could be that yeah that like um, sure, they go with the psychic squid monster from the the comics and not the fake Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. But like, what if the 2009 series, uh, Ozymandias runs away from the secular solution and is like, you know, maybe we do need religion, and he creates a fake Manhattan to be the god that can shape and guide humanity into the future. Because he his first scheme was all about him making subtle moves in the background. Maybe he just yeah. needs a spokesperson that's like going to lay it all out in the line. Maybe he becomes Dr. Manhattan. I die. Like, there's no reason you couldn't create another Dr. Manhattan. Plus, yeah, like his 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 arrogance and um, his arrogance would allow him to do. I, I could see him doing something like that. Yeah. Um, like if if Dr. Manhattan's not going to come back, uh, we need a Dr. Manhattan. Uh, who else is qualified to be Dr. Manhattan? Then who else is more qualified than me? Uh, yeah, I, I, especially with his whole Egyptian like pharaoh thing uh-huh. like if he wants to i could see that being his afterlife yeah like he's, oh, yeah. he's been prepping himself to become dr manhattan for these 35 years to or be something immortal yeah yeah oh complete speculation i have no idea oh sure uh <laughs> but it's you, fun did you see that um we're getting geared up for the sixth annual summer badass fest And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. 
Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. So, so Jeremy Irons is played by uh, Dr. Manhattan. Or no, no I'm sorry. Jeremy around. Irons is, is playing Ozymandias. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really liking your him becoming Dr. Manhattan theory, as you can tell. Uh, do you... I, I noticed in my research that it's very, um, it's very hard to pin down something that actually identifies him officially as Ozymandias. Are we sure he's Ozymandias? Huh. Because I, I, the, all the other characters I, I've, I've found where you could pin them down, that like this is that, but like I, I, I'm that, that's the one question mark I had. That could be that I, just, I missed the sources because this is a very well reported on... Uh, uh, a series and yeah. there's just so much fucking information out there also a lot of vague and contradictory information out there yeah but i thought that was interesting that maybe they're doing some kind of rope-a-dope thing uh i'm pretty sure it's come out in official stuff that, okay that he is ozymandias there's a reference in the wiki that i do not have time currently to look at but it is referenced okay um let's talk about some new characters uh the ones that i think are interesting to talk about is uh don johnson okay uh he's playing the police chief of tulsa because this all happens in uh tulsa oklahoma which we'll get to in a minute Mm -hmm. um there's also a character called the looking glass which is a police interrogator who wears this like shiny chrome mask uh played by tim blake nelson who you might know as one of the idiots on uh uh brother where art thou yep and uh, there's also this character, uh, Lewis Gossett Jr., which hasn't been named. Well, he actually has a name, but he's... How old you say he was, his character? He's supposed to be like 105 years old. Okay. I've got some theories about this guy, because like what the, the what we know of him plot-wise is that he meets with Regina character's uh, night sister. Regina King, yeah. Oh, what'd I say? The character. Regina, <laughs> Regina King's character. The, was it night... Now I'm fucking... Sister Knight. Sister Knight, yeah. thank you. Um, and gives her some like dark and disturbing backstory yeah shocking shocking information uh i've seen some theories that i like that says that don johnson's police chief of tulsa is actually Lori's uh uh is, is actually dan the night owl um now hmm. retired permanently but still doing something in law enforcement and justice and kind of partnered up coupled up with with Lori, uh apparently working for the fbi could be. I mean, the ages probably line up. I and... think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, he was still around. Do you have anything on the 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 Looking Glass character? No. No. Nothing much. 
So is he going to, I, I mean, it seems like um, he might be one of the primary antagonists or, mm. or kind of like the, the flip side of the coin of uh, Regina King's character. Could be, yeah. Um, but uh, I want to talk about some of the new concepts they're mixing up too because uh, the Watchmen, the original series, the original uh, comic book series and movie was about like the Cold War. Um, this concept is about kind of racial tension, injustice, racism. And according to Lindelof, it stems from uh, his reading on the uh, Black Wall Street massacre in 1921 that happened in uh, around Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think it was a Greenwood neighborhood. Um, and this is where mobs of white residents attacked black residents and business owners in the Greenwood district of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's been called the single worst incident of racial violence in American history. Uh, the attack carried out by the ground and by air. That's right. In 1921, whites air bombed, fire bombed this neighborhood, this business district, destroyed more than 35 square blocks of the district. At the time, the wealthiest black community in the United States, often uh, referred to as the Black Wall Street. So, um, it looks like now, and one of the interesting things is, is until very recently, this is a, uh, was one of those little known facts in American history. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like it was deliberately kind of covered up and obscured. Uh, and it's one of the America's long line of, you know, if, if, if ever you hear someone ask like, you know, why can't the black community to get it together? You want to l- lecture them about not being able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. If you do a lot of digging, it seems like every single time uh, a black community acquires some kind of real political, economic, or other power, uh, white America goes to tear it down. Mm. Uh, and again, even goes so far as air bombing uh, their neighborhoods. Uh, so how do you see this kind of tying into Watchmen 2019? I mean, it's 2019. You know, <laughs> the the uh, the alternate history here we live in is a not society, super Jim. alternate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's the Seventh Cavalry has taken up the the sort of mantra of Rorschach, and sort of I would say even warped it from what Rorschach, uh, sure, you know his tenants. Mm-hmm. But you know, certainly in a modern day society, you would see those sort of organizations taking up racism as one of their mantles, right? Um, and I think I'm not sure. So I don't know much about the the Black Wall Street stuff, but I do know that that was a huge uh, motivator for Lindelof and also Regina King. I know they had like a five hour conversation the first time they, they just got together for dinner and then they ended up talking about this for five hours. And it feels like the show like spawned from that conversation. So mm-hmm. something they're both very interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of came out of this, uh, Lindelof's readings of, it was the Ta-Nehisi Coates, Coates yep. uh, case for reparations article mm-hmm. on the Atlantic, the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, so clearly that's racism is going to be like the number one driver of this entire show. Uh, it takes place in Oklahoma. I don't know how much more it's going to have to do with like specifically the black wall street stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one idea I had given the age of Lewis Gossett Jr.'s character uh-huh. is there's one character we didn't talk about in the character breakdown because he's very mysterious hooded justice is the very first costume vigilante that kind of inspired all the others. And he's notable for being costumed head to toe. There's no inch of his skin that this displayed. Um, yeah. We also he's one of the few Watchmen or Minutemen rather that never had their public identity discovered. 
and mm. also faded into obscurity. He wasn't killed, didn't start working for the federal government, just kind of blended away. Yeah. With his advanced age, I'm wondering, and like Hood of Justice uh, uh, first appeared in 1938 in this uh, show's chronology, or maybe it's 36. Okay. But I was doing the math, and I'm like, if this kid was a, if, if this guy was a baby or a small child uh, during the Black Wall Street massacre, uh, he would be about the age if he came of age like 18, 19, 20 and wanted to strike a blow for social justice to be the hooded justice. And if you look at his costume, it's this guy wearing this dark hood. He's got a hangman's noose around his neck. Yeah. You know, in an era where, you know, blacks are being lynched, like I could really see that being this 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 old black guy who's then gone in retirement and maybe he sees uh with the night sister sister night uh, a chance to kind of pass the torch yeah no that could be i'm not sure if the age quite works out but him being 106 theory. years old yeah i think it kind of does mm-hmm. um so I, I it'd be interesting to see him be like you know this uh you know spiritual uh what was the opposite of successor progenitor uh a spiritual kind of mentor for her um, to give her like you know not just a law and order mandate but this kind of like more racial justice him. mandate like he could have actually been around during that time well would you say 21 was in when the yeah 1921 is when the okay yeah happened. it's a little young it's like yeah. he'd be nine or something or seven or yeah yeah Okay. Yeah. But I, I think if he's a baby, like if yeah. his father was yeah. a prominent businessman, was murdered or what, was sure. a politician or something like that, then, you know, you, you grow up and you see maybe this being covered up and no one knows about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that's, that's a good guess. Legs to it. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see if I'm right. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Do you want to talk about some meta commentary? Like, what yeah, kind of legs do you think the show will have? It's a good question. When I first heard of The Watchmen, I'm like, oh, this is going to be the next Game of Thrones, right? This is going to be a massive sprawling series. At yeah. least five seasons. It's hopefully going to have million, tens of millions of viewers. It seems to be a much smaller scale project or a much more like toe in the water kind of thing mm-hmm. for HBO because they, and, and Lindelof is no stranger to this, but as I understand it right now, there is only one season and that season will be a self-contained story. You will so have a beginning, resolution. middle, and, and a resolution. Right. And and they're not saying they won't do more seasons. What they're saying is we are going to conclude this story in a satisfying way in, in, in this season. And maybe there will be more, maybe there won't. So I want to view this through the lens of The Leftovers, because that's essentially yeah. what he said about season one of The Leftovers. Leftovers was based also on a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first season contained the entirety of that material, yeah. essentially. Uh, now, this isn't a one-to-one because this is not based. This is not a recreation of The Watchmen. This is a successor. This is a sequel to The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. But if I look at this first season of Wa- Leftovers, if we never got another season. No one would be like, "Oh man, I really were always left wondering." But I mean, I guess the central mystery that he said he'd never going to answer, and he never did. Sure. But like, you know, you had a beginning, a middle, and an end. You had a resolution that felt good. But you also had a few threads that you mm-hmm. could t- you could tug at, and, and, and honestly, the Watchmen itself is like that. Like mm-hmm. it is a is a standalone story. But Rorschach did drop his journal through that mail slot. Uh, yeah. Doctor Manhattan says nothing ever ends, so you're and, free and the, the, to imagine what would come next. And, and Watchmen encourages you to do that. The setup of the story yeah. is a follow on from the Minutemen, right? Like, yeah what happened when they took to the streets and started beating up the masked criminals in yeah. their own masks. The whole thing is a follow-on. Yeah, so, and that, yeah. that's fundamentally different from like the Empire Strikes Back where 
you yeah. know, you are stopping in the middle of the next plan and they're mm -hmm. saying this is what's going to happen next. This is going to happen next. Now you got to wait to see, you know, asking questions of the audience to kind of ponder and what, you know, think about what happens next. It wouldn't surprise me if they end that way. But also, yeah. when you end that way, it's really easier for the creator to come back and start wanting to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. So is it going to be one of those things where this obviously looks like a very expensive series to make? Uh, HBO puts it out there, and if it's a critical hit, if it gets some, you know, gets a couple million people watching it, uh, you know, they they hire Lindelof to answer whatever questions are raised at the end of season one. I think so. Yeah, I think if this is a success, which I'm almost certain it will be, yeah. the HBO will come back with more. I don't know if it'll be could be as popular as Game of Thrones because number one, it took Game of Thrones years and years and yeah. years to get to its its popularity. Like mm -hmm. you know, its its first season only like a couple million people watched it, and then by the end, hundred ten million people were watching it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I and also a lot of the Game of Thrones stuff like wasn't there's definitely allegories to today, but they you know were all cloaked in magic and dragons, and you had the same kind of politics, but it's politics of another world in a different time. And I think there it's it's a lot easier to attract a larger audience when you're dealing with issues at two or three levels of remove than yeah. you're actually talking about, you know, fascist elements trying to take over the democracy <laughs> of America. And like that's I mean, just there's there's a there's a whole segment of America that just doesn't want to give a doesn't want to hear that. There's another segment of America that like is sympathetic to it, but like to get enough of that in the news, and then and then there's there and then there are two segments: one that's going to agree and one that's going to violently disagree with your right. your take on that particular right. topic and, you're, so, and what you're prescribing. So it's like one of those yeah. things where, with the political edge as sharp as I think it's going to be, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be polarizing and divisive, <laughs> just because we live in yeah. polarizing and divisive. Obvious times. prediction: this is going to be divisive as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be it there's going to be a lot of like. Uh, Hot takes by people that haven't seen it, mm -hmm. probably on both sides. Um, but uh, and that's I've, the Watchmen. I mean, they're, they're, it's set up. Yeah. It, the whole thing is designed around a fundamentalist agreement, right? Mm -hmm. Of how to fucking handle the the evil that you see in the world. Yeah, because everyone agrees that the world's presently. I, there's there's very few people that think the world's great as it is. Sure, most people agree that the world's fucked up. Yeah. The difference is, is what do you think the causes, what do you think are the effects, and what do you think are the solutions? Mm -hmm. And that, that uh, it's so interesting because the Watchmen has kind of been revered by uh, almost every side of the political aisle. It's like, like 1984. It's got someone for everyone to cheer for. Right. And I don't think that was the case in the mid-80s. Like, I felt like it was, mm -hmm. it, yeah. it, but it's become, just like 1984, over time, you know, enough world events have kind of played out that you can kind of see a moral message in either side of it. Like, you know, if you want to mm -hmm. look up the Warshack, if you want to look up to uh, Ozymandias, if you just want to like think about, whoa, man, what if uh, uh, it's it's there for you? It's a lot harder to do that when it's current times. Yeah. So I'm very curious to see uh, what the reaction to the public at large is. I think it seems like uh, I read a lot of critical reviews and no one's seen the whole thing yet. Mm -hmm. But the the critics uh, that I trust that have seen the first uh, the, the early goings are seem mostly positive about it. Okay, like good. I I I think it was I was looking at like is like ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So I'm expecting to be really good, and I'm sympathetic to all the arguments that it seems to be making through the trailer. So, uh -huh. uh, you know, maybe one of the things we can do is translate a little bit. Uh, we can say like instead of just taking things at face value, we can make some of the cases that. That it doesn't, but I I also fully expect because um, because did I think I read something that 
this uh, Black Wall Street massacre happens inside the series. Like they depict yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's it's early on in the first episode. Like, like it's entirely possible that Watchmen can make its own case. Um, yeah. uh, that 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 it, that it wants to. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm I've been excited for this every single ever since I found out that it was Lindelof's new project after the Watch mm-hmm. or after the Leftovers. I've always been a huge Watchmen fan. Um, yeah, and we've we've got less than a week to see what's actually going to take shape. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts, Jim? No, I'm good. If you got some thoughts after seeing the season, the series premiere of The Watchmen this weekend on HBO, uh, please send them in to Watchmen at BaldMove.com. We've always considered uh, our community feedback an important part of our show. We'll also have weekly threads on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. If you'd like to analyze and obsess uh, with fellow fans there, you can do so. If you are familiar with uh, what we did on the Game of Thrones podcast, you'll be familiar with our format that we have uh, an instant take podcast the night that The Watchmen comes out. As soon as it's over, we take to the microphones uh, and we talk about it and we talk about it live. And there's a second part of that called the instant talk. uh, And that's where club members can tune in live, watch our instant take show, and then send in their feedback through YouTube's chat feature uh for us to talk about it live and just kind of discuss it with the fans and if you're a club member uh feel free to participate that that'll be a link uh on baldmove.com that goes live after the watchman airs on the east coast uh you can click through that and get in on the discussion if you're not a club member good news it's easy to join club.baldmove.com is where you go uh to get access to this feature uh and tons more bonus content if you go to club.baldmove.com you can get a pitch for all this stuff uh, as well as sign up. So we will see you guys Sunday night. Uh, and then our full podcast will be out each Tuesday, uh, as per usual. And we're not going to do a, a spoiler section on Friday because it's, there, there are no spoilers yeah, for I've, this. I, there's, there's, there's not a Watchmen to a graphic no. novel that we can, we can kind of like crib, crib notes from. So no. it'll be unlike game of Thrones like that, but we'll still have the two podcasts a week. Uh, we're really excited about it. And we'll start, uh, we'll start this weekend. We'll see you on Sunday night until then. I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.